So we are going to be talking about burnout and more specifically caregiver burnout today. This is just something that I've been hearing so much, um, especially from women. I myself have processed this a lot, um, working through that a lot. I got a lot of questions about this, and so I just thought I would hop on to a live and talk about what is caregiver burnout, what is burnout, and um, what is it that we can do if we find ourselves in that place. Um, I think most people are stressed. Most people will even report a chronic uh, state of stress that they just you know if they look back they can't remember the last time they were not stressed for like an extended amount of time they might have gone on holiday they might have had a few days off but like they can't remember where they've gone months where they were not experiencing high levels of stress so that's kind of the the feel right now and we're kind of straddling this online, back in person, still have masks. Um, all of this is still going on right now for people. So it's just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of volatility, a lot of ambiguity, a lot of this that we are contending with. And we are also seeing our loved ones. And when I say caregiver, I had one person ask that question, that what if I don't have any children? Uh, can I still be experiencing caregiver burnout? Absolutely. Okay. I think a lot of us are not uh, mothers. There's many of us that are not mothers. And, and if you have parents, if you have aunts and uncles, if you have a community, if you have work colleagues, if you have, you know, children, if you've been a healthcare worker, if you are a highly sensitive person, if you are an empath, if you just care about other people and what is happening around you, you could be experiencing you know, caregiver burnout at some point or another. I know that, um, you know, with all, when we were all, um, when we were all in lockdown or at home, and there was a lot of us that were online, there was uh, a lot more exposure to what was happening around the world. And so people were glued to their screens and all, you know, all the ge geopolitical things that were going on, all the, um, all the violence that we had to witness, not we had to, but we were witnessing, all the climate change. I mean, all of this has an effect on our system and it makes that system feel unsafe. And we give and we care and we give and we care. And at some point, we run out of that because we're not giving and caring to ourselves. So burnout um, is classified as a workplace phenomena. 
And that now they're classifying it as job burnout because they realize that you can burn out from other things like caring too much. Um, but burnout is, you know, there's a workplace phenomena and we can talk about that a little bit. But I'm in, you know, sort of zeroing in on caregiver burnout because this is something that I'm just seeing too often and um, it is real. And if we don't do something about that, then we will get sick physically and mentally. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about burnout. Burnout is a, you know, this occupational burnout or the job burnout is, you know, um, really characterized by three things. One, this kind of chronic stress that you're going through that results in exhaustion, it results in cynicism, and it uh, results in, um, uh, in a decreased performance, so like reduced efficacy. So what used to take you an hour is now taking you four. What used to take you four hours is now taking you four days. So this kind of reduced efficacy and performance in what you're bringing to the workplace. Um, uh, other people also refer to it as uh, presenteeism, where you are kind of there, but you're zoned out. You are physically at work, but not fully present. Um, and it is a result of chronic workplace stress that is unmanaged. But what is interesting, what is interesting to me is that women during COVID um, left the workplace two times the rate of men. Women reported higher levels of burnout um, at, compared to their male counterparts at work. And some of the research is showing is that women took on this kind of caregiving responsibility for their workplaces. So it wasn't just that men underreport or women were taking care of um, their homes, but it also is that they were taking care of their workplaces as well. So women leaders reported higher rates of burnout um, compared to their male counterparts within certain fields and within uh, certain workplaces. So something for us to think about is that it cannot just be a workplace phenomena. It cannot just be about the workplace. I know personally, I have burnt out two times in my life. And it's not like I was, you know, yes, I was working more. I had different things that I was bringing to work um, and had to do at work. But it was also because my personal life was also asking a lot of me. And if I look at the men that I work with and the men that have contended with burnout, their personal lives really were um, asking for a lot of attention while they had to work and do the things that they do at work. And so when this started pulling at them more, their personal life started pulling at them more, their ability to just show up fully at work was compromised. So we, we tried to have this like neat, oh, well, that just has to do with the workload. And it doesn't. 
we can actually, 40 hours a week is a really long time. And we can actually do a lot of work within 40 hours. But how are you spending that 40 hours? Are you distracted because you're worried about your parents? Are you distracted because you're going through a divorce? Are you distracted because, you know, your son is at boarding school? Like, what are you bringing to work that actually is reducing your ability to, you know, do the 40 hours a week at, you know, the capacity that you were before you had all of these other things going on? And so if we think about us as human beings and not as robots, we would actually we would actually be thinking, okay, there is a lot that we are holding as human beings right now. And a lot of unprocessed grief that we have not work, worked on or worked through or just worked with, you know, 2020 happened and then so much happened. And when we look at, you know, just global rates of mental health difficulties or conditions, one in four adults, one in five kids, I do think those numbers are a little bit dated and I probably think they're a little bit more right now. If we look at the rates of Alzheimer's and dementia and physical sickness and how our um, older adults, elderly parents, these um, this population is living longer, but they are um, less well. They're un, you know, their their health is compromised. Their cognitive abilities are more compromised than ever before. Um, if you look at the rates of strokes, and um, those have increased for whatever reason. I'm I'm not a medical doctor, and I think we won't know until years from now why that is happening at the rate that is happening. A lot of people are saying that this is the long COVID, that it did compromise us in ways that we cannot name just yet. But the rates of these things in our elderly parents has increased. So then we have people that are taking care of their children. Now, their mental health is also compromised, remember? They're taking care of their colleagues and their mental health is compromised, one out of four. We're taking care of our communities, compromised, our elderly who are also compromised. And then, of course, there is us who is compromised as well, because it's not like we haven't gone through something. So all of this has come to a head right now where we are. Um, really seeing that people who care and people who care for others, and there are people, men and women, who just are not caring. And that is, um, so I'm, I'm generalizing here, but I'm also using research and statistics to make those generalization that women are doing a lot of that unpaid work home and at work when it comes to caregiving. There's something referred to as mental load. So yes, where, you know, fathers may be providing and that's a lot of pressure for fathers. Women carry a lot of mental load for child, you know, caring for their children. And all the mental load, whether it's planning and organizing and, you know, um, 
play dates and did you do the vaccinations and um you know when do we have to make sure that they wear green and white to school and when do we make sure that they um have their day off or when do we show up to parent teacher or you know um conferences uh, all that kind of thinking about everything that's the mental load and that thinking about everything has really just um it's been being pulled in many different directions for women because they have to think about all the different things related to raising children and you know technology and what that's doing to our kids and um you know all the schools that are on these different apps and you have to make sure that the kid is turning this thing on this app and you have to read that newsletter on that app and it's really a lot of mental load so it's not like it used to be where they just come home with a notebook and you read that little paragraph and you know what's happening in school you have to act i mean I, I literally feel like I have to hire someone to like check all the apps. I have four children and like who's doing what, you know, one time I was supposed to send one kid in yellow and another one in green and another one in pink and like they all ended up wearing different colors and it was just like, you know what, <laughs> this is all I've got. So that kind of mental load technology has really, really put a lot of pressure on people and and so I'm moving here back and forth between people and women and people and women, but you know, it really is about a lot of people caring about a lot of different people in their lives. And in today's world, if you are in your 30s or 40s or 50s, you are going to have either friends that are pulling at you, in, in not pulling, pulling at your heartstrings, and parents that are pulling at your heartstrings, colleagues that are pulling at your heartstrings. So these, you're just being pulled in all these different directions because you care. And that caring is resulting in exhaustion. It's resulting in just depletion of, of all resources because there are so many things to care about and so many people to care about that it's you feel guilty when you say, well, no, I can't I can't be there with this right now because I have all of this going on. Um, so it really is a very difficult time for people. Healthcare workers, I think one out of five healthcare workers has left the industry and more will leave by 2030. And more are leaving right now. They are burnt out because they've had to show up to work and they've had to care about people for an extended amount of time without taking care of themselves. Okay, so I just want wanted to give the frame of why are we talking about this? Guys, for all the people that are talking politics and other things on this um, chat, I, can I please ask you to stop? Um, we are talking about caregiver burnout right now, and that's all we are going to talk about. Asking for me to talk about other things is just not going to happen. And so please just take it to another take it to another uh, live or take it to another account. I'm not talking about that right now. 
and I really just want to stay on topic, I'd be happy to consider other topics. You can direct message me, but we are not talking about anything like that. And I think this is another thing that causes people to burn out is that people don't know boundaries. Everybody's spilling out. Everybody is, you know, hurting. And so they just spill out onto the other person without, rather than thinking about, well, is this the right time or is this the right person or is this the person that has the capacity to deal with this right now? So really, guys, we need to we just need to all do better at knowing ourselves, but also knowing the other person that is in front of us and what is their mandate and what is their ability. So that's what I have to say about that. It really, it really, really, um, it's really exhausting, guys. It really is exhausting. Um, okay, so obviously we're talking about unmitigated chronic stress. We are talking about um, we're talking about the climate in the world right now, just not climate, just political climate. We're talking about climate. We're talking about mental health, um, climate. We're talking about wellness climate. Okay. This is what we are talking about right now. And so I want to talk a little bit about what you can do if you are in that place. Okay. If you are struggling with stress, if you are struggling with um, any mental health conditions, um, what is it that you can do right now? Because sometimes I read those articles that are about like, how do you recover from burnout? And like, just reading those articles makes me a little bit more exhausted. And I'm like, but I can't do that. I can't exercise. I don't know how to exercise. Like that's for when, how to avoid getting burnout. Well, what do I do when I'm in it? Okay. What do I do when I'm in it? Um, and, and I want to just talk to the people that are in it right now. Okay. And so how do you know you're in it? Well, you feel trapped, you feel depleted, you feel apathetic, you, you, you get, you look at something and you almost like, it's almost like the the engine is not working and you cannot care. You just don't have anything left to give. If you're saying things like, you know, I have nothing left to give. I can't feel anything. I'm numb. I feel detached. I feel like I am floating. I feel like I'm just like out of my body. I feel, um, I feel negative. I feel cynical. I feel... Uh, irritable. I feel I want to stay in bed all day. I feel um, if if I see someone talking about something they're struggling with, I find myself dismissive. Like seriously, are you really concerned about that? So like dismissive of other people and their issues, even though their issues are real for them. So if you find yourself doing any of this, then we're in the neighborhood, okay? Now you stay in that neighborhood a little bit for, like if you stay there for a little bit longer, you will eventually um, burn out. 
And we all go through these phases like, oh, I just I don't want to deal with this and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to care about this. Like, okay, that's fine. Like we can go into that space and we come out of that space. We go into that space, we go out of that space. Like that can happen when you're just going through stressful times. But I'm talking about just being in it and then just like not coming out of it for now weeks. Weeks go by a week, two weeks. Now, there's not a medical diagnosis of burnout, but if you look up the symptoms of burnout and you look up the symptoms of depression, you aren't going to find anything different. You're going to actually find the same thing. And there's a lot of debate about, well, is burnout depression? And why, you know, so it's really actually quite a confusing arena over there when people start talking about burnout. I've been burnt out, so I'm going to speak from that space that... It has to do with juggling many things and not tending to yourself. So that's it. That's what burnout is. And then you just go into this kind of immobilized state. I spoke about the polyvagal theory in the last two lives. If you haven't watched it, please go watch it. Because that to me is the best explanation as to what we are all dealing with right now. And if we are going to create safety for our body, for our mind, for our soul, we're going to have to create safety in the body. So if you are in that state of just feeling apathetic and exhausted and tired, the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to not fight that because that's the first thing we end up doing. Oh, come on, dig deep, no pain, no gain. Like when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Not really, actually. When the going gets tough, sometimes you just got to rest, okay? And that's okay. Like these kinds of sayings that we have are really, you know, and we like have these like amazing like motivational tiles and it's completely detached to our own experience. And so when the going gets tough, like just rest a little bit and then get on with it. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is that when you are um, struggling, um, do not try to problem solve. Do not, do not, you might not even have energy to go see a therapist. You might not have the energy to go search for a therapist. You might not have the energy to go make an appointment for a doctor. The research shows that many women actually know that they are struggling with depression and anxiety, but they don't have the time to actually go make an appointment or actually go tend to this, because that also is work. It's not like in therapy, you go and then, you know, they just like wave their magic wand and you come out of that room. No, in therapy, oh my God, you've got to go digging. And sometimes we can't dig when we have no energy, right? So not sometimes, all the time, we cannot dig when we have no energy. So first you've got to build some strength. You've got to build some strength. So just rest. The first thing you're gonna do is rest. Now. Okay, well, easy for you to say, you don't have, okay, yeah, I have it all, okay? I've been a mother of four children or, or three children without a nanny and I've done, I mean, I've done it, okay? So I've, I, I just moved to the UAE um, 14 years ago. Before that, I was in the US and I had three little children and I was getting my doctorate and I was doing all of those things without help. And so uh, when I say help, I mean, um, I mean, people that I was hiring to help me. I did have my husband and my my family and my mother and my, you know, community, but I'm talking about people that I was hiring for. So it's 
it's important not to just dismiss things when you hear something. So yes, if you have to work, and many of us do because we've got to earn a living, um, what I would recommend that if you are feeling like that, and if there is safety in your workplace, um, go speak to your manager. Now, if there is no safety, because I will not make a blanket statement, go talk to your manager, go talk to your boss, because in some companies, there is no safety for you to go talk to your manager or your boss, and you could end up getting fired. So I'm not going to ask that of you, but I will ask you to think about like, if there is someone in your workplace that you feel safe with, then I would ask you to go reach out to that person and say, I'm really struggling with having to manage all of these other things in my life. Is there any way that I can, you know, just do the things that I'm meant to be doing and not be given extra work or um, sort of more new projects? Can I just get, can I just do what I'm meant to be doing? And then, and, and not more than that. So there are people who will need to do that. And, um, and there are people who can help you um, lift, lift some of that burden from you. So what might take my colleague three hours to do might actually take me 30 minutes. So it's like, what's the hardest thing for you right now? And they, you might actually say, well, right now, you know, learning how to code is just really draining me. So can I not do coding? for the next month while I just tend to the things that I need to tend to. So learning a new skill when you are depleted is not going to be something you want to do at work. Also looking at your work and saying, okay, what's the thing that takes the most amount of my energy? And is there any way for me to offload that while I take something from the other person that doesn't take that much energy? So public speaking for me doesn't take energy from me actually. But, you know, if I have to sit and like, you know, crunch numbers on a PNL, oh my God, that takes a lot of energy. So is there any way that I can outsource the things that take energy while I do more of what I need to do to just make the numbers work? Okay. So even within work, make sure that there is someone that you feel safe enough to speak to. Um, I would say, make sure that you, if it's not your manager, look for someone within your tenure, like at work, that you can say, you know, these are the different things that I would like to trade. <laughs> That's like trading cards where you give them one of your tasks and they take one of yours, the things that are easier for you. So you, it doesn't feel like you are, um, you know, you're just sort of offloading everything onto them. Um, again, I'm being very practical here, okay, because I, I just have heard that, oh, go and ask for six weeks off. And not everybody has the luxury of doing that. So I'm really speaking to those people right now. Now, if you can get six weeks off, great, go do that. Um, because that's probably the time you're going to need to sort of reset and rebalance yourself. Our body regenerates, re, you know, renews itself, um, adjustment issues sort of settle into our mind and our body every six weeks. So you are going to have to give yourself six weeks to sort of reset some of that. So think about a 40-day window, okay? That's the first thing I'm going to say is that if you are working, try to do the things that are 
easier and try to trade the things that are harder for you and take on the things that are a little bit easier. If you can take time off, do that. If you can't, like I said. The, the second thing I would say is that um, know your limits, right? Once you've sort of rested and um, thought about like, well, what am I? Actually, no, let me, let me do the second thing here. Once you've rested and you are, um, you know, you are trying to balance um, work and taking care of your physical health and taking care of your children and taking care of your elderly parents, like you're still having to do life. So it's not like, oh, okay, now I've given the tough things at work away. Now I can like, I, you can't like, you know, <laughs> you cannot give away your children or your elderly parents or any of these other things. So I would say at that time, ask your friends and tell your friends um, that, listen, I'm really struggling right now. And I'm just letting you know that if you don't see me or you don't hear from me, this is why. So friends are usually the people that we can um, sort of buy time or take time from first. If, if we have our family commitments to, right? If you're a mother, if you have taken care of elderly parents, those are the people that are going to take our energy first. And then will come our friends. Um, unless, obviously, your friends are like your family in this town and then you will know what to do. But that would be something I would communicate to the people in your life as well. I would also communicate it with your teenage kids that, you know, I'm really struggling right now. I'm going to need your support. I would say that to my teenage kids. Um, and, and not to say that I need them to do anything, but I'm just going to say that I'm really physically exhausted. I'm really dealing with a lot at work. I'm really dealing with a lot. And so I'm going to need your support. And you'd be surprised how much like empathy teenage teenagers will show you when you just come to them with that level of honesty. Um, and I, I mean, depending on what type of relationship you have with your parents, I would, I would do the same. Um, but you are still available and you're still tending to the things. But if you are off, then they're not going to be like, oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You're just literally setting up that stage and saying, um, I'm, I'm struggling right now and I'm going to do the best I can to show up for everybody, but I just want you to know where I'm at. The, once you've done that and you've just, you know, um, sought support or, you know, been transparent with the people in your life, I would really, really physically focus on your body. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm not saying you have to start exercising right away. Actually, at that time, you have no energy to exercise. So the first thing is going to be really to like soothe, like we're soothing the system. Okay. And that was the live that I did yes, uh, last time is that you're going to soothe your system, heal the system, bring it back into homeostasis before we activate it into doing things. Now, soothing could be a gentle walk, it could be stretches, it could be laying on the ground, it could be yoga, it could be a bath, it could be these types of things that you're doing where you're tending to your physical body. You're going to eat healthy foods, you're not going to go for the things that give you that hit of sugar um, or that caffeine because you are running on you know, things that are not healthy for you. So you are going to really make sure that it's almost as if you are 
um, you've gone through surgery, what would you do? That's what you have to do when you are feeling burnt out or exhausted. You've gone through an acute, you're in acute state right now. And in order for you to come out of that acute state of stress or um, exhaustion, we need to do what you would do if you came out of surgery. You would eat soup, healing foods, healing movements, gentle movements, avoid loud places, avoid busy places, avoid any social engagements that are not necessary and mandatory, right? We would do that if we had surgery um, or you just gave birth. Like you wouldn't just show up the next day to something. You really want to give yourself that six weeks where you're resetting your system. And that might mean that it's like, you know, your best friend's birthday and you may not be able to go. And you can just let her know that I'm really sorry. I'm really, I'm really just trying to get myself back to center right now, but we'll find a way to celebrate once I'm out of this place. So that is, um, that's what I would do is working on soothing your body before you start to activate and physically start to, you know, do running or exercising or any of that stuff. Um, that would be the, I don't know, the second or the third thing. I'm not sure where we're at. Um, find a way, the, the third thing would be to find a way to relate to your body. Now, most of us don't have a relationship to our body. I said this last week. Most of us, and even the relationship we have with our body, most of us have a very, very harsh relationship with our body. Judging and critiquing and oh this looks weird and that looks weird and I need to lose this and I don't like this and like it's violent the way we are towards our body and we don't feed it in the right things we don't make sure that it sleeps enough we don't hydrate enough we don't care for it the way we would if I gave you a, a baby and I said please take care of this we are not doing that with ourselves so what I had to do, which worked for me, because I tend to be a caregiver, um, I care about other things, and most women will have plants or pets or people that they're caring about, um, and we show up for all of that, but we don't show up for ourselves. So think of your body as something that is not yourself. And I know we're trying to integrate and it's holistic and it's, you know, all one. But first, we must separate before we can integrate. We might have to separate our body from ourselves before we can actually integrate that. Okay, so separating our body from ourselves basically means you talk to your body and say, what do you need, sweetheart? What do you need? And what can I get you? Are you hungry? Can I get you anything? Because that's what I would do if, a, if someone showed up in my house or in my office or, you know, as a guest. I would actually be like, what do you need? Can I get you anything? Talk to yourself as if you are talking to a guest. Talk to your body, okay? Not yourself. I'm not talking about your mind. I'm talking about your body. Check in. How are you feeling? Okay, I'm okay. Yeah, maybe you should just take, you know, take a few minutes gather yourself before the next thing that you have to do. Um, can I make you a cup of tea? Literally like that. 
<laughs> it might sound totally weird, but that's literally what I had to do because I'm super good at that. You know, I'm super good at taking care of the guests that might show up. I, as a host, I am super attuned to what people might need before their water is finished, new one is there. And, you know, like I'm so, so switched on for other people that I just need to do that for myself. So it's not like a new skill I have to develop. I just have to turn inwards. And that's what I started doing. And it's like, you look like you're really tired right now. I'm going to let you go to bed. Okay, that's enough for tonight. And that's it. And there, begun, there begins a relationship with your body. So start doing that when you are feeling that kind of exhausted. And then continue doing that for the rest of your life. Because that burnout is just the first burnout. And there will be the second. And there will be the third. And eventually there will be disease. Because that's just what the body does. It eventually says, you know what? I ain't playing anymore. You lay flat on this bed. I'm not moving. So we need to take burnout as a serious red flag that we are not relating to our body. We are listening to everything around us and we are not listening to our body. Forget yourself, your body, okay? Um, yeah, so that's the body bit. Um, what I would also say for number four is um, eventually when you gain some strength and you slowly start to recover, um, pace yourself. And one thing that I learned, one thing that I learned was if you say yes to something, you're going to have to say no to something, right? So if I say yes to these awesome opportunities that come my way and I feel very blessed for some of the opportunities that have come my way. Um, I feel like I did so many things right in my life because I followed my passion, I followed my dreams, I followed my soul's calling. And now I have a hundred opportunities that all relate to my soul's calling. Everyone, right? Every one of them. So now, which one do I say no to? Do I say no to this or do I say no to that? It's, it becomes, it's so much easier when you're saying yes to something you love and no to something you don't love. But what if you love everything? And this is what most people are struggling with. Oh my God, look at all these amazing restaurants that have opened. And oh my God, look at all these conferences that are happening. And oh my God, look at all these webinars that are taking place that I want to be a part of. Uh-uh. No. Guys, we have about 80 years of life, okay? And depending on how many, you know, how you do it, you're going to have some really good years in you. And how are you going to spend those really good years? Like you have to think about that. If I give this to this person and at this time and in this way, I am taking from something else. And that might be taking from your kids, your parents, your physical health, what am I saying no to? And that really made things super clear for me. And my God, the opportunities that I have said no to because they just showed up on the weekend. And people thought, well, like, stop being a diva, just work. And I'm like, nope, I ain't working on the weekend. I worked on the weekend my whole life. I'm now in my mid 40s. 
I don't want to work on the weekend. It's the only time I get to see my kids and my my parents. And so I'm not going to work on the weekend. I'll work all week long. You've got me until Friday, you know, eight o'clock. But after that, I'm checking out. And so it really does become about having those boundaries clear. And that boundary clear clarity is really, uh, it, it, it becomes super clear when you say, what am I saying no to? And it's usually something that you find as a priority. So I wanted to say that while you say yes to something, you are saying no to something. When you buy that one book, you're saying no to a thousand other books. When you log on to that webinar, you're saying no to a thousand other webinars. That's why I really appreciate people who like are here and they're giving of their time and their mind share and their attention in a world that is just fighting and competing for their attention. It's like, I better be here. I better be ready. I better be prepared because this isn't about wasting time, right? Because you could be giving your attention to any millions of things that are out there. So I really appreciate you. That's a, a little plug in for appreciation there. Um, and then number um, five is that just know that no one is going to come and save you. It just is not going to happen, especially if you've been in the caregiving role. You've been a caring daughter and a caring sister and a caring mother and a caring wife and a caring friend. You have all of these things that you've done your whole life and you feel like, well, someday someone is going to come and care for me. Nope. <laughs> Not going to happen, guys. You have to care for you because you've set up the dynamic in relationships that you care for others. You know, you've set up the dynamic that when you sit at that restaurant, you order. So they always bring you the menu. They always bring you the bill um, because that's just the dynamic you've set up. And in order to break that dynamic... You first have to take care of you. And once you start taking care of you, you will start to realize where your boundaries and your limits are. Okay? So it really is about um, knowing that no one is going to wake up one day and say, well, I'm just going to go check on Sal and I'm going to just see how she's doing. It's not going to happen. You have to say it. You have to do it. Okay? And that's like... I get it. Like, it really, like, I wish it wasn't so. I wish it wasn't so. Um, and some of us is, some of us just, we don't even look like we're suffering. You know, like, I could, I could be, you know, depressed and absolutely depleted. And I have been. And I will still look like this. Because, it's not hard for me to just show up like this. And so the interface, and I will still laugh because I find the moment humorous. And so people will be like, oh, she's, she's good. I saw her. She looked great. And, you know, she was laughing inside. It's like really, really feeling like I got nothing left. Okay, so just because you see someone looking a certain way doesn't mean they don't need support. And just because you might look like you are depleted physically and internally, 
on the outside and on the inside doesn't mean that's how it's going to show up for other people too. Because sometimes we feel like, well, you know, my friend doesn't know that I'm hurting and, you know, she looks like she has it all together. But like, why isn't she checking on me? Your friend could be suffering. Okay. Sometimes we think people are ghosting us and they're not ghosting us. They feel like a ghost. Maybe that's what's going on. So it's a really self-oriented way we look at the world. We judge everybody by their behaviors. We only judge ourselves by our intentions. We never judge anyone by, you know, their intention might be. And if you have a friend and you've had someone who's cared for you and you've had someone who's been there for you and they're not there for you right now, like maybe they're struggling, even though you see them on Instagram and they're at a restaurant and they're at a party and they're at all of these things. Um, maybe that's just part of their duty and their obligation, or maybe that's their job, right? Some people do that for a living. They have to show up. It's like an act. So have mercy, have compassion. Like everyone is hurting right now. I don't know a single person, not a single one. Personally, professionally, I have gone to, you know, workshops. I have gone to panels. I have, I have not met a single person that has said, you know what? I feel great. I mean, unless you like live in the middle of nowhere, maybe by yourself <laughs> without Wi-Fi, um, like people are hurting right now. And I just think we need to be more compassionate and we need to be more merciful um, to ourselves and to each other, because there's a lot of judgment out there too. And we want everyone to care about what we care about. But everyone's got something else that they might be caring about. And that's another thing that I've noticed is that why aren't you talking about this? And it happened a little bit here today. It's like, I am finite. My capacity is finite. My heart, energy, right? The beats in my heart, not my spirit or my soul. Those are infinite. But inside of me, I am finite and what I can give my attention to is also finite and what I can think about and speak about is also finite. So just because everyone is caring about something doesn't mean it is also your agenda. Like you care, but you don't have to like, you know, shame people or blame people into not caring about the thing you care about. You care about what you care about and let other people care about what they care about. And just trust that they're caring about something also that is equally important in this world. Because there's a lot that is going wrong in this world. And there's a lot of people that need support. And there's a lot of people that are hurting. And so trust that they also are doing their part. Um, so that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> oh, Okay, guys, I'm going to sum it up for you. Do you guys have any questions for me? I don't know what all of this is. Oh, these are all like, who? I don't understand. Um, yes. Okay. Oh, I, um, let's see. Uh, so someone said, I'm not a mother. Do, can I still have caregiver burnout? If you care, you can have caregiver burnout. If you care about the climate, if you care about, you know, 
you know, what's happening in the world, if you care about your colleagues, if you care about your friends, if you care about your elderly. And what's interesting, by the way, the research shows that in, um, you know, collectivistic societies, Middle East, China, um, uh, South Asia, Asia, um, these these communities actually um, that they find elderly care a lot more taxing than childcare, whereas in individualistic societies, childcare is where a lot of people feel exhausted and depleted. And so it's a little bit of a shift here. And, and in, 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 um, in this part of the world, in the Middle East, Asia, etc., they find, um, you know, like daughterly guilt is much bigger than motherly guilt. So I just want to put that in perspective here is that there is a huge demand on our attention and on our care by our elderly parents because we want to do that, not because they're asking us to. And that is not something we can outsource. Kids will go to school. We can say, okay, they're with nannies. We can do play dates. But I really can't do that with my parents. You know, I'm not going to like drop them off and like have them, you know, like it doesn't work. I have to, I have to be the one caring. I have to be the one serving. I have to be the one tending to my parents. And so that is a huge, huge um, thing that we are um, contending with right now. And we are holding inside of ourselves. So be gentle with yourself. So that's that. Um Yep. Uh, parents of special needs children, uh, single parents, like I said, double the duty, right? Triple the duty. This is what you have to do. And I've been a single parent. I understand. Uh, my husband travels during the week. I am, for all you know, practical purposes, a single parent, and I have to manage all of the mental and the physical load of what is happening in my home of parenting. It really is a lot. You do need a tribe. You cannot do it on your own. As much as you've done everything on your own, this will not be one of those things you do on your own. Um, how can you stop being a caregiver if it's seen as your duty? Um, I don't think I have an answer to that. You can't. If it is your duty, it is your duty. You know, I guess if I was in another part of the world, I would be like, well, draw your boundaries and do. But we're in this part of the world. It is your duty. And you do have to um, you have to show up for your people and your parents and your in-laws. And the only thing that I would say is that while you do that, you have to do all the other things that I said. You must, must take care of yourself. You and I'm not saying, you know, six weeks off. I'm literally saying five minutes you take care of yourself here. Another five minutes you take care of yourself here. You stay in the bathroom maybe five minutes longer and just take a few deep breaths. You go to bed a little bit earlier. You wake up a little bit earlier. You, instead of scrolling on Instagram, go for a walk and get some sunlight five, 10 minutes, you, instead of scrolling or shopping online or doing something online, drink some water and just be with the water and mindfully drink your tea. Be where you are as much as you can. You, instead of driving, if you can take a taxi or if you can take an Uber, 
Try finding that time. This is where I find my time. I don't have time to take, you know, these long exercise and, you know, all of these other things. I have to make time. And there are alternatives to where you are. For Like I said, I stopped driving because I just, I, I, I saw, well, that's a 15 minute window here. But while I'm driving, I'm not answering emails, not majority of the time, like 99% of the time. Then there are times where I'm like, I got to get this done. Let me just do it here. But 99% of the time I'm looking out that window or I've got my eyes closed and I'm meditating or I'm breathing. I'm breathing into my belly. That's what I'm doing 99% of the time in the back of that car. Um, uh, other things that I do kind of self-care stuff, I, you know, have things that are easily accessible. So I have a kettle, I have tea bags, I have cold water, I have a mini fridge in my office, I have a mini fridge in my room because I like cold water. I know you're not supposed to drink cold water, but you know, it makes me, it helps me drink water. Um, but I have my hot, my kettle plugged in, in my room. So I don't have to walk all the way down to the kitchen and then walk all the way back. I keep everything very, very accessible to me. Even though there's a kettle right outside at the lighthouse, I have one right in my room because I literally am eliminating every barrier. Um, I don't say, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. So I just wear the sneakers and walk around my block. So it really is about like, where am I going to find this time? And how am I going to do this? And one thing that I can say, guys, what information you are putting in your mind is going to matter. How much information you're putting in your mind is going to matter. Creating an environment that is soothing to your system all day long. Like I said, I'm very, very, my olfactory, you know, senses are very, very attuned. And um, so I need things that calm my system that smell good. I have candles from every corner of the earth. I have room sprays. I have essential oils. I have diffusers because that actually is a very, very fast way for me to just bring that nervous system down to calm. Um, I have yoga mat in my office. I have a yoga mat at home. I just lay it open and I lay on the ground as often as I can. I sit up on the floor over there um, against the wall with my head straight and I breathe. So keeping myself close to the ground, I walk barefoot in my office as often as I can. Again, with the intention of grounding myself, rooting myself, releasing the negative energy and all the fatigue from the bottom of my feet. These are all the ways that I take care of myself. And I put in my schedule the things that are important to me. And then I move around that. So I need to get my nails done or I need to get my hair done or I need to go exercise. It's going to be in my schedule. And someone will say, oh, can you do a call at this time? I'm going to look at my schedule. I'm going to say, hmm, I'm getting my hair done at that time. Sorry, I can't do it. Like it, those are the things that you, you know, it's also referred to as hedonistic scheduling, but it's not hedonistic. This is just self-care 101. Um, and it may seem hedonistic because it gives you pleasure, but that also is going to be very important is that you've got to put you in that schedule. So whether I have horse riding, uh, what I'm going to do in the car, meditating. And if someone says, oh, can you do a call at 1130? And I know I'm meditating at that time. And there's you know, back-to-back -back meetings um, after that, 
I'm not going to take a call at that hour. I'm going to take a call the next day or after all of those meetings. So scheduling for yourself is going to be important. I wish I could show you guys my Google calendar. Every move I make and every move I don't make is on my Google calendar. So if it says do nothing, I'm going to schedule it in. It's my time to look out the window and do nothing. I actually schedule do nothing. So do nothing for five minutes. Um, these are the things that you have to do all day long to, not, to make sure that you don't go over the edge. I learned this the hard way. And we can tend to be a little bit like all or nothing type of people that what's that going to do? Like what's, you know, lighting a candle going to do? I mean, it's not going to heal your burnout, but it's going to make sure that it's soothing some part of your system. What's buying flowers for myself going to do? Well, it may not take away your life's problems, but it is good for your nervous system. And we know that through research. So small, small drops of things. And soon you find yourself out of that dark space. It's not going to be a big thing ever. It's never going to be a big thing that's going to get you out of that dark hole. You know, there's a story about um, uh, someone who is in, you know, like, I think it's like a donkey. Um, it's one of these like fables who is in a hole. And, um, and he finds himself in that hole. And sort of, he has fallen into that hole. And what he did was, he used the dirt that was around him to create a mountain or a, a mound, which he climbed up, and then he took more and then he climbed up. And so he was taking, um, the the dirt from around him to create a mount from which he then climbed out and that's kind of what you have to do you've got to work with what you've got you can't wait for you know a revelation or a grand gesture or something that's going to lift you out of that space like a like a helicopter you literally have to take dirt that you are surrounded by and build a mound which you will then climb yourself out of this hole um, bit by bit, slowly, slowly, one thing at a time, gentle, soft way of dealing with all the things that you're contending with. Caregiver burnout for people that are taking care of someone who has cancer or a physical illness or a mental illness. That's what caregiver burnout is, is that you are caring for someone who is of high need and you are burning out. Like I said, everything has to do with you also taking care of yourself. And sometimes we think that there's a trade-off, just like the person who said, well, what if I don't want to take care of my family? Well, you don't have a choice. Like if you're in it, you're in it, right? But it doesn't have to be a trade-off. I do have kids. I do have family. I do have a husband. I do have friends. But I also have to take care of me. And that's the only thing. It's also about me. So I'm caring for you and also me. Not I care for you or me. There's no or, not in my world at least. I have to take care of everybody and I have to take care of me. So that's what self-care is and self-love is. I love you, I care about you, and also me. So just hold that thought in your mind um, that I need to do that for this person because this is my duty and my obligation and also me.